you love the Dastardly Decimal System and want more? Our Patreon is the best way to get that. Members will get access to show notes, official artwork, our new bonus episode series called Cleaning Up After Tea Time, and of course, plenty of cat pics of Vega voice actors, Vash and Zid. This can all be found at patreon.com slash dastardlydecimalsystem. Hi there, Larry here. I normally let Castor do the talking, but today I have to add this message. We are tackling the story of a Serac. His origins are dark and do require a small content warning. There are mentions of sexual assault and other sensitive topics in this episode. I will not dwell on them, nor will I glorify them, but I still felt that because they're mentioned, I would like to give this warning. Thank you. I offer you one chance to avoid my wrath, you cowardly thieves. Throw yourselves from my tower and I shall allow fate to determine whether you live or die. Otherwise, prepare to truly understand why I am numbered amongst the greatest wizards. I am a Serac of the Scarlet Robes and this is my home. A Serac. Welcome, humble adventurers, to my realm of knowledge and mystery. Here, in my cursed library, are endless tomes and scrolls on the darkest and evilest foes in all the realms, be they from Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, the many worlds of darkness, or any realm in between. Welcome to the Dastardly Decimal System. I'm your caretaker of the corrupt, the librarian, Caster Kane. The topic of a Serac is always a troubled story. It is dark and frightening, and often sends chills down my spines and rattles my bones. Luckily, I have developed a lap-based support system that should get me through this. For our second pod, I have brewed some tea that I find very thematic. It is called Lich Tear Tea. It has a fermented flavor that is strong enough to rattle your bones. Let me pour you a cup and we can return to talk about Aserak the Devourer. Like many of these multiversal threats, finding the correct details through the miles of misinformation can prove to be quite difficult. Many records have been lost to time, and some have even been intentionally destroyed to keep their secrets safe. A Serac is no different. Some of his events occur in Oerth, others in Toril, and others still in Nentir Vale. And that's not even taking into account the countless additional planes that he's traveled to. Timelines are bound to get a little confused, but I've done my best to sort these out. When we last left, Aserak had just stolen Vecna's deepest, darkest, and most powerful arcane secrets, and then he fled. He had betrayed his savior, his mentor, and his friend, all for the sake of power. 
but this is not his most infamous act. That would be the creation of a terrifying dungeon that has taken the lives of countless heroes and treasure hunters. A dungeon whose name alone can cause fear to ripple through a tavern. The Tomb of Horrors. While he was still feigning loyalty to Vecna, Aserak was looking for a way to extend his life and greatly increase his power. He had even traveled to the negative energy plane. It was there that he found the dead remains of Moil, the city that waits. He explored the city and found powerful magic secrets, fantastical arcane engineering, and eldritch devices that were long since abandoned. What he learned in Moyle was enough to set him on the path of lichdom, but such an act would require a vast amount of souls, more than he had access to. Worse still, once he achieved that state, he would need a constant supply to replenish his phylactery. Aserak decided to revisit one of his favorite pastimes. He would hunt down great artifacts, then surround them by death traps and watch with sadistic glee as adventurers died trying to retrieve them. He could repeat this activity, but on a grander scale. Every adventurer who died would find their souls stolen to feed his phylactery. But in order to gain the steady stream of idiotic and expendable adventurers needed, he would have to build the greatest combination of death traps known to all humanoid kind. Aserak started by recruiting a human artificer known as Mohogdam. The artificer was a genius man who long sought out a challenge worthy of his intellect. If asked, Mohogdam states that Aserak kidnapped his family and forced him to work. But in truth, the family didn't exist. Mohogdam was a sinister man, eager to have his name go down in history alongside the legend of the tomb. For 80 years, the pair constructed the now infamous Tomb of Horrors in the very subterranean caverns he had ordered the Cult of Orcus to build him decades ago. Upon its completion, Aserak rewarded Mahogdam by transforming him into an archwraith. Then, the pair took all of the cultists and the workers and force them into the tomb in order to test their traps. Their deaths were the final souls needed to transform a Serac into a Demi-Lich. Alongside its original purpose, the tomb also allowed a Serac a chance for revenge. He lured two of his most hated enemies into its location and pit them against one another. The first was Sir Pentaval a golden half-dragon paladin of Pelor. The paladin had hounded and bested Aserak time and time again. The second was a Balor named Tarmhem, the demon that had raped his mother and impregnated her. 
he pitted his own father against the paladin and watched as the two brutally fought and injured one another. When both were weakened and on the verge of death, Aserak revealed himself and struck. He imprisoned his father within the tomb, draining him of his demonic magic in order to fuel the arcane horrors. Serpentifal was forced to watch as each of his allies, one by one, were painfully transformed into black stone statues, one that still famously decorate the tomb to this day. Upon its completion, Aserak locked himself in his own tomb and descended into Lichdom and his studies. Time passed and he began to ignore the world around him. He failed to notice when a cult formed and began to build a settlement around him and his tomb. It was formed on top of the tomb and was called Skull City. It was populated by mad worshippers and necromancers. Even forming a school of necromancy known as the Black Academy. At its height, Skull City had a population of 500 living souls and over a thousand undead servants. They worshipped him as the Devourer, despite not knowing his true goals. During this time, Aserak neglected his phylactery and his physical form suffered. It deteriorated until all that was left of him was a skull and lich dust. But this did not hamper the wizard. It simply freed him. Now, as a demi-lich, with no need for a body, he began to travel the cosmos. He saw power beyond his belief and started scheming ways to obtain it. Suddenly, he returned to the tomb and began leaking information of the great wealth that existed beneath it. More adventurers began to descend into his tomb, stronger than ever before, but that was Aserak's hope. Unknown to all, even to the devout followers who lived above him, Aserak needed the strongest of souls in order to fuel his latest ritual. He was attempting to fuse his mind with the negative energy plane, an act that would have given him control over all undead across the multiverse. His plans were foiled when he underestimated the strength of the adventurers who came after him. They followed him into his fortress of conclusion just as Aserak began the joining. For a brief moment, in every realm and world in the multiverse, the undead all came to a simultaneous halt. Aserak felt each undead under his control. He could look and see through any of their eyes, be they in the employ of the Red Wizards of Thay, soldiers in the Great War of Eberron, or one of the many, many undead who marched under Tasha's banner. Even forces like Fekna and Saz Tam felt his touch. The power didn't last, though. While Aserak was distracted by his new senses, the adventurers attacked. When the Demi-Lich was defeated, and his undead control ripped from him, 
he found his soul shattered and he was forever cast out of his fortress. His spirit reformed in the Shadowfell, drifting alone for years, until he unwittingly communed with the Raven Queen. He felt the levels of her power and of that of the god she had murdered to achieve that position. In that connection, he saw a dark vision, one that would be his greatest scheme ever. Serac found his way back to the material plane and began planning. He traveled to the Feywild and constructed a new tomb, one he called the Garden of Graves. This hallowed location was once the final resting place for the powerful Archfey known as the Glooming Court. Aserak, with the help of fanatical Fey and undead minions, desecrated the graves and built a tomb beneath it. There, with his constructed Eldritch device, the tomb would draw the magical energy from the graves and channel it to the Demi-Lich's astral engine. Then he returned to Moyle, the city that waits. He built the shadow tomb beneath the slumbering city and once again constructed an Eldritch device. Much like the first, this one drew energy and channeled it towards his astral engine. Only this time, it drew the magic energy from the nearby Shadowfell drawing the attention and ire of the Raven Queen. He even returned to his original Tomb of Horrors and siphoned what magic he could spare, adding it to the collection that brewed within the Astral Engine. Aserak knew that he was being hunted by powerful forces. His actions had caught the notice of powerful foes, including the Raven Queen. Fearing that he'd be bested before his completion, and knowing that he needed more power to defend himself, he sought the eye of his former master, the Eye of Vecna, and implanted it into his own skull, combining the artifact's great magic with his own. Ready for his final act, he traveled to the plain of Pluton, and used the combined power to tear into the dead god's tomb. When the Raven Queen slaughtered numerous gods in order to claim her position, she buried them in the dead god's tomb. Dozens of dead gods were buried there, and their lingering divine magic was ripe for the taking. Aserak drained them of their magic and once again funneled it into the astral engine. With the engine now full, he revealed its true, horrifying purpose. The astral engine was built to transfer all of the dead god's remaining magical essence into himself. Aserak went from being the size of a human skull to a floating demi-lich bigger than a giant. He had transformed and now was something greater. He was unstoppable. He was unbeatable. And all of the universe would tremble. That is, until his past caught up with him. 
Aserak knew that the Raven Queen would come for him. His plan to drain both the Feywild and the Shadowfell would not go unnoticed by her. He had planned for her interference. What he had not planned for, however, was the appearance of his former master. Vecna had arrived. The Whispering One had never forgotten what Serac had done to him all those centuries ago. A rage like his never died down. It simply grew over time. Now, at the moment of Aserak's greatest triumph, Vecna took his revenge. Vecna and his demons, the Raven Queen and her Shatterkai, and whatever adventurers dumb enough to get involved, all fought against the Demi-Lich. At first they found him untouchable. His magic was simply beyond comparison. Only when a stray spell struck the astral engine did they realize his weakness. They destroyed the engine, separating him from the dead god's power, returning him to the form he once was. They shattered Aserak once more, ending his latest bid for power. For the first time in centuries, Aserak took a full lich form. He had a body once more, and with it, he traveled to Toril and landed in the city of Omu. There, he found the people being ruled by the city's nine trickster gods. He swiftly slew the nine and enslaved the population. He returned to his old ways and forced them to build a new temple filled with sinister and ingenious traps. Much like he had with his original tomb, he made the very populace that built it to be the first ones to test it. He wiped out all of the remaining Omu people and buried them within the tomb, beside the very gods they once worshipped. He dubbed his new dungeon, the Tomb of the Nine Gods. During his travels, he came across an Atropal. This was a stillborn godling created by an evil god. The popular thought was that because the Atropal was never alive, it could not be resurrected by any means. But Aserak thought differently. In the brief moments in which he had been connected with the dead god's power, he had opened his eyes to all manner of possibility and knowledge. Using the assistance of the Sown Sisters, a coven of night hags, he built an arcane device known as the Soulmonger. The device would siphon energy from the negative energy plane, as well as any nearby departed souls. It would then feed them to the Atropal, finally giving it life. A Serac would then raise the creature, transform it into an evil god of death, and then unleash this horror upon Faerun. Nobody knew why he wanted his pet god to burn the world. Perhaps this was his manifested anger from his defeat at the dead god's tomb, or just some sadistic joy he'd take in literally watching a world burn before his eyes. But luckily, the horror never came to pass. When he turned on the Soulmonger, it began to have powerful effects. Suddenly, anybody, 
anywhere in Faerun who died while the machine was active had their soul trapped. Their soul could not pass on, and the body could not be resurrected by any means. And those who had been brought back by a revivify spell or something similar, suddenly found their restored life slowly being siphoned away. Their bodies grew sickly and ill until they withered away to nothingness. Acts such as this caught the attention of, well, everybody. Many heroes descended into the tomb to stop the death curse, and many failed. But a select few, empowered by the lingering spirits of the nine trickster gods, faced off against the combined might of Aserak and the Atropal. They found the fight overwhelming at first, healing spells ceasing to function, and lives being literally ripped from their bodies. But much like before, Aserak's weakness was his machines. The heroes shattered the soulmonger and slayed the godling, bringing an end to the death curse. This, of course, gave Aserak a chance to flee and to wreak havoc once more somewhere in the multiverse. The stories of Aserak are horrible and numerous. Some seem impossible, and others are just bizarre. For example, did you know that there have been not one, but three different recorded instances of Aserak imposters? When Aserak discovered the city of Moyle and all of its secrets, he also found the Tower of Moyle. Using powerful magic, he tore it free from the city and transformed it into a floating, extraplanar prison. There, he filled his prison with his most hated enemies, including Serpentifal. He then created a clone of himself whose only task was to spend eternity torturing the paladin. That clone eventually tired of this task and tried to ascend to Lichdom himself, hoping to replace the original as the one true Aserak. The second imposter was even weirder. There is a skeleton who walks around in a set of old king's robes, tattered and torn. This skeleton once lived in the Tomb of Horrors and somehow eventually found a mundane golden crown that a Serac once wore. He eventually left the tomb and now stumbles around Skull City and the nearby area claiming to be a Serac as well, scaring off any foolish enough to believe him. But the weirdest example of an Aserak imposter exists in a far future digital realm known as the Oasis. There, in this digital realm, you must battle Aserak the Lich in a game of joust. If you beat him two out of three, he rewards you with the legendary copper key. While there is so much more we can say about Aserak, like the time he fought time-traveling foes, or his collection of other lich's phylacteries, 
our tea has run out yet again. I don't know about you, but between the caffeine and the topic, I will already be unable to sleep tonight. No sense making matters worse with more tea. Thank you for joining Vega and I in our library. Feel free to return for more stories and lore about the darkest villains from the darkest realms. This has been the Dastardly Decimal System, and once again, I am your librarian, Caster Kane. The Dastardly Decimal System can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at DD System Podcast. That's Delta Delta System Podcast. Drop us a message and say hi. Fega always loves the attention. This podcast was produced by Midnight Reading Audio, a division of Midnight Reading Publishing. The voice of Castor Kane is Larry Gent. The voice of Vega the Cat was provided by my cats, Bash and Zid. Music was Halls of the Undead by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you, and have a wonderful, wonderful evening.